Yep. I have a light anyway. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. My message this morning is based on Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. I think, uh, well, it's 1 to 4 up there, but that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Now, the Lord said to Abraham, or he was Abraham then, before he became Abraham, but I'm just going to refer him as Abraham. Get out of your country from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great late nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And you, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. As we, as we follow, obviously it's not the whole journey, but as we follow the journey of Abraham, God's friend, God's friend. Isn't that amazing? God's friend, the, the one who spoke the world into being, says that Abraham is his friend. Oh, hallelujah. That just blesses me. It's vital to recognize that as we consider God's activity in the life of Abraham, that it was a relationship. It was a relationship, and it was built on faith. On faith. Now, what we Christians are good at is is quoting Bible scriptures. And, and as soon as somebody says faith, the, the, the first scripture that comes to mind is, is that great faith chapter of, of Hebrews chapter 11. And we think, ah, well, faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things not seen. But we don't say, oh... I hope it's going to happen. That's not the hope that God gives us. The hope that God gives us is a vibrant hope. I like, I like the, the, the message translation of it. It says, this faith, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How's your faith this morning? Hmm? How's your faith this morning? And each response in the life of Abraham was an act of faith. And as faith grew, so did his relationship with God. That grew as well. You see, as I say, faith is not meant to be stagnant. Faith is meant to be active. Faith is meant to be vibrant. Faith is meant to, meant to keep us on the move. Keep us on the move. And as in faith, we believe God for ourselves, for our families, for our church, for our ministries, or whatever thing that God is doing in our lives, as we believe in faith, we can expect things to change. Things to change. 
And those changes will not only occur in our individual life, because another thing about faith is that it is contagious. Hmm? I'm glad there's a few amens because that's, that just blesses me. And the contagious faith that's within us will have not only have an effect on our lives, but it'll have an effect on, on, on the life of the church, the life of our families. And as we look at the life of Abraham, it was a life that was constantly changing. Why? Because God was molding him. God was shaping him to be his friend. Not only was Abraham's relationship built on faith, but this is the main gist of my message this morning, but it was a, a relationship built on covenant. God's relationship with you and I is a covenant relationship. Hallelujah. You know, I... I, I the, the, the advertising people, they, they, they have these one-liners, don't they? That, that, that kind of catches your attention and captures you. Like, I, I'm not advertising anybody now, and, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, you see delivery vans going around and it says, you shop, we drop. Hmm? Oh! <laughs> it's clever, isn't it? And, and you think, wow, that really captures you. Well, I want to tell you, if there's one word that describes your relationship with God and our, my relationship with God is covenant. Amen. It's covenant. And I want us to look more closely at the covenant call upon, God, uh, upon Abraham's life. You see, covenant number one was, I will make you a great nation. Wow. <laughs> Just imagine if God came to, came to you and said, I'm going to make you a great nation. I tell you, it, 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 it was a promise that was going to blow his mind. He could never envisage, he could never imagine what God was going to do in him and through him. He was never, he could never imagine that. From then on, God was going to use his life in a phenomenal way. Little did Abraham realize that out of his loins, was going to come a nation that was going to be God's special treasure. A nation of kings, a nation of priests, a holy nation. Little did Abraham realize that out of this special nation would come the savior of the world. Wow, what a promise. What a promise. This stupendous promise but before it could be appropriated, before it could be put into action, in other words, Abraham's life, in Abraham's life, he had to act on it. He had to move in it and believe it in faith. 
believe it in faith. And when in faith he says, yes, Lord, I'll go, from that very moment, from that very moment, the, the, the promise was set in motion. So, what's, what's it in the Bible for? Is the story of Abraham in the Bible for, for us to say, oh, that, that's a great story? Oh, that's a good story. Not at all. Not at all. Abraham's life is recorded so that it can be forever known what God can do through a life of a person who will be obedient and will put their trust in him. Put their trust in him. Paul, writing to the Ephesian church, he says, by his mighty power at work within us, <laughs> by his mighty power at work within you and you and you and me this morning, he is able to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare to ask or hope. Now that is a promise for us this morning. And we need to believe, we need to believe that God is sovereign and that he is able to do anything in anybody. Amen. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Now, I'm not saying that we should become some kind of loose cannon or maverick and, and make the pastor's life a misery. If God has got something in your heart and you believe it's a ministry from God, subject it to the pastor and the elders and to the church. Because the Bible's principle is that a, a, a ministry will make room for itself. Having said that, Abraham... What did he do? He just released his life unconditionally to God. Unconditionally. The Bible says he went out not knowing where he was going. Hallelujah. He trusted God, you see. Trusted God implicitly. We sit here this morning, brothers and sisters, redeemed, blessed, and loved because God has poured his grace into our lives. It's an unconditional love. And our response, God wants a response from us, you know. And our response should be to love him back and say, God, God, I just want to release myself to you. I want to give myself to you. When a person does that, when a person releases his or her life to God in this way, God is able to mold and shape that person into what he desires. For what? For eternity to be lived out in time. Hey. In other words, if I am moving under the Holy Spirit, if I am moving in God, if I, am, if I have given my life to God, I can speak 
things into people's lives under God and under the Holy Spirit that not only will be lived in life, but will be lived out in eternity. Do you believe that? We need to ask God for him to bring out in us, through his work, the maximum potential that we have. The maximum potential. You see, it's God working in you. It's God working in you, giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. You see, nothing can thwart the purposes of God. Absolutely nothing. Abraham gave himself his abilities and his ambitions to God. And what did God make him? God made him great. Woo! Do you believe God can make you great? Hmm? Someone once said that, that good is the enemy of great. Before you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, you were not good, you were bad. But when God saved you, he made you good. It's in the Bible, it's not my words, it's God's words. But God doesn't want to stop there, he wants to make you great. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Huh? And that's not being boastful. It's not being boastful because that's what God wants for us. In order to touch a dying world. You see, when God makes us great, it's not in order to promote us, but it's in order to us to show that his greatness and his power, and his power. Dare we ask God to do that in our lives. Dare we have faith to ask God for these things. But not for us, but for him, for his glory, and that his kingdom will be extended, that his name will be exalted. Listen to what Jesus said. Most assuredly, I say to you, in John 14, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Now that's lovely, isn't it? Huh? Oh, that's great. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop there. And greater works than these, <laughs> hallelujah, and greater works than these will you do. Why? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. You see, when God is glorified and Jesus is exalted on earth, then souls are saved, bodies are healed. Habits are broken and people are made whole. Hallelujah. That's when God does. That's what God does, you know. 
Jesus said we are his friends. <laughs> Just like Abraham. You read it in different, in Isaiah and, and different places in the, in the Bible. Jesus said we are his friends. Hmm? Ah, that, that, that just blesses me. I'm a friend of God. Wow. Wow. You know what it's all about? It's all about knowing who we are in God. Hmm? Who you are in God this morning, who I am in God, is of an inestimable value. Hmm? inestimable will you just allow me to to bring a little bit of my own life into this message this morning you see my childhood background is one of paternal violence I lived in about 10, maybe 12 different homes when I was a kid. I had different aunties. You see, my old man used to beat us all up, beat my mother up, beat us all up, and throw us out onto the street. I have brothers and sisters this morning. I'm giving you my heart now. I have brothers and sisters this morning who are, who are living with that consequence. Their lives are affected by it. Mine was. I was 15 years of age when my father died. I stood at the top of the street and, and watched the funeral cortege leaving the house. And someone come up to me, because everybody knew everybody in a village in Wales, and someone come up to me and they said, they said, hey, why aren't you in the funeral? That's your father there. I said, I didn't like him when he was alive. I'm not going to like him now he's dead. That's what I said. That's what I said. But a few years later, you know what happened? I give my life to God. I give my life to Christ. And from that moment, I forgave my father. God forgave me. And now I have no consequences whatsoever. No emotional scars whatsoever. And you know what I've tried to do throughout my ministry? I've tried and I've strived to, to, to help other people see who they really are in Christ. You've got to know that, who you really are in Christ. There are people, maybe in this congregation, but there are people sitting in churches all over the country today who look in the mirror and they don't like what they see. I'm not talking about, I, I'm not talking about zits or wrinkles. I'm talking about self-worth. You need to see yourself as a redeemed child of God this morning. 
That's who you are. That's who you are. And if we are to minister into the lives of hurting people, we need to know who we are. Hmm? In Christ. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Hallelujah. Hmm? We have received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. In that great high priestly prayer in John 17, Jesus says, Father, Father, the glory you have given me, I have given them. Woo! I tell you, I tell you, we can share his divine nature this morning and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. But just like God... Just like God, he didn't just stop there with Abraham. As well as telling him that he would make him a great nation, he was said, he began to talk to him personally. And he says, I am going to bless you and make you great. Hmm? Now, now, you would think, you would think that having already told him that he's going to make him a great nation, that, that I will bless you and make your name great, it would be natural to assume that, that God had already said that thing in, in other words. Not at all. Not at all. It was just the tip of the iceberg. Hmm? Just the tip of the iceberg. For deep deep in the infinite resources of Almighty God, there was yet to come such a personal interest in the life of the one whom God called his friend that it would be nothing short of stupendous. Jesus said, Give, and it shall be given to you. In full amount, in return, it will be packed down, shaken together, and spilling over. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's our God. That's our God. Almost two millennia before Jesus said that, the same principle was being applied in Abraham's life. Likewise, 2,000 years later, here we are, and the same principle is being applied to us. God is unchangeable. Now, 
If you bear with me a moment, I'd like us to look at this word bless. The word blessing comes from two Greek words. You, E-U, pronounced you, meaning good, and logos, meaning something said. It's where we get today's word eulogy. That's where the word eulogy comes from. So, when do we hear a eulogy? In a funeral. When we're dead. Humanly speaking, we give a eulogy of someone's life, which is usually after their demise but divinely. But divinely. God speaks the eulogy, the blessing, the blessing of God that makes us rich and adds no sorrow. The blessing of God. Divinely, God, who is the word, the divine logos, speaks commendation, immutable favor, and, uh, and, and blessing into our lives, not when we're dead, but when we're living. So when God announces, I will bless you, we cannot even grasp it. We cannot even understand what he means by that. But I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, this morning, God wants to bless you. There are some here, I, be, I, I don't think they really believe that. But God wants to bless you. As part of his covenant to Abraham, God promises not just to have an involvement in his life, but God promises to pour himself into Abraham's life. All who Jesus is and all what Jesus can accomplish will become real and personal to us and as a consequence his life and love will flow in and through us. Hmm? Remember the, the one of the favorite choruses a little while back was majesty wasn't it? Everybody was singing majesty. And congregations would hold their hands up in the air and say, flows from his throne unto his home, unto his own. Let's believe that. Let's believe that. The blessings of God flows from his throne into your life and my life this morning. Make your name great. <laughs> He was promising Abraham that his self-same character would become part of Abraham's character. Hmm? You see, Abraham and God, they were going to be 
so close. You read his story. They were going to be so close so that when the name of Abraham was mentioned, it was synonymous with God. Hmm? Here in essence, we see not so much how Abraham walked with God, but how God walked with Abraham. And as with God's servant of old, our calling in Christ is of the very highest. What we are in Christ today is not on what we've done to merit anything. But it's all about his divine life imparted to us even when we didn't deserve it. It's not the result of our faithfulness to him, but it's the result of his faithfulness to us. Hmm? We've sung it so many times with the worship group. When you go home, read Psalm 23 again. And there you'll see, there you'll see, the health of the sheep is the result of the faithfulness of the shepherd. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm? Let me just finish with that final verses of that passage in Hebrews chapter 6. Then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. When people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given us both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can now can take new courage, for we can hold on to his promise with confidence. This confidence is like a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain of heaven into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone there for us and has become our eternal high priest in the line of Melchizedek. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'd like to just make a few final few comments as the worship group come and join me. In 1792, the Baptist minister, William Carey, preached what is known as the Deathless Sermon. He based his, his ministry on Isaiah 54. And 
that speaks about God's future blessing for, for, for his people. He had just two points. Apparently, as he preached, the anoint, such an anointing was on him that people were spellbound and listening to every word that fell from his mouth. And he had just two points, and they were these. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Brothers and sisters this morning, can we believe can we believe that God can make us great? Can we believe that God will use us in a greater capacity than what he's using us now? Can we believe that, as Reinhard Bonnke used to say, the word in our mouth is the same as the word in his mouth? Hmm? Can we believe all that? Can we believe that God has deposited something of his greatness into these jars of clay? Hmm? But the verse doesn't end there. It says that the excellence of the power might be of God and not of us. Abraham's God is our God. He hasn't changed. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Shall we just pray? Father, will you just come by your spirit now? There might be people here this morning who perhaps haven't accepted you as their Lord and Savior. Jesus, I just pray now that they will come to know you and to know the blessing and the love and the power of this God of Abraham in their lives. There may be people here this morning who have a self-worth problem. They look at others and they see others doing things and they think, well, I can't do that. They look at themselves in the mirror, perhaps, and they say, oh, I'm not with this. And, I, I, and they look at themselves in a bad light. Father, I just pray that you will come now by the power of your spirit and you will minister and move in each heart and each life in this place this morning that they might know, that they might know that they can be great in you. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to do that. If God's word has touched your life, if the life of Abraham has spoken to you,
worship you, Lord, with all of my heart.